I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Happy Mama Movement podcast. I'm Amy Taylor-Kabaz. I would like to start by acknowledging the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation on which this podcast is recorded as the traditional custodians of this land. Pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. And as this podcast is dedicated to the wisdom and knowledge of motherhood, I would like to acknowledge the mothers of this land, the elders, their wisdom, their knowing, and my own elders and teachers. Welcome back, everyone. On the 22nd of July, 2014, I registered my very first website, wanting to start sharing my story, my research and insights into motherhood, which means it has now been nine years of creating content and for most of that time, creating podcasts, both in this podcast and a previous incarnation, sharing stories of motherhood and matrescence from all over the globe. And so I think we often don't pause and celebrate enough in our current culture. And I also know that we have so much knowledge hidden in the archives of this podcast. And so in recognition of that, the team and I are going to be bringing you some micro matrescence moments over the next few weeks, highlights and insights from some of our episodes that you can listen to. And if you want to go deeper, Pop into the show notes and see which episode to go back to and listen. Thank you for being here, perhaps for the last nine years or just for the last few minutes. This is how we change the way we support mothers. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. I feel like this conversation is way overdue after being Instagram buddies for a long period of time. (laughs) Exactly. I would love to explore with you what motherhood has been like. You came to motherhood differently than others. Uh, wasn't something you always thought you would do. And now two and a half years in, I'm really interested to explore how it's changed you, what it's taught you. So take us back to the beginning. Then (laughs) I found out that we were pregnant and I was pretty annoyed to begin with. (laughs) I was like, damn it, I thought that I was finally going to be free of all this stuff happening to my body. Um, But then I had a fairly traumatic um, physical experience of pregnancy and um, so that in and of itself was an entire journey and then we welcomed Bennett and I had absolutely no preparation for just how good it would be. Um, Wow. 
I had I had done some work in therapy around you know my my kind of concerns around whether the broken bits of me would affect my ability to um, parent, and so I went and did a whole heap of trauma work and um, did a whole lot of healing, which was the most valuable therapy I've ever done. And um, I still thought that parenting would just be something that we do and we try to do it as well as we can. I just, For some reason, I just couldn't – I never made the leap <laughs> to the fact that there would be another human then in our lives that would bring so much joy. Um, just as I – so I'm sitting in the car right now because we're actually recording on a day when Bennett's not at daycare and um, – so I'm tr- I'm hiding in the car so that our <laughs> audio is good. And just as I was walking out the door to go and sit in the car, he um, was sitting on Nissa's lap and made this pirate noise at me as I walked past. And just even that, like I just cracked up laughing. This being, this bringer of light, um, I just, I didn't realise what I was missing out on. To then be in a place now of, I almost, I'm just so grateful that I got to do this, how those um, transitions happened, like how did you support yourself through? Because I'm sure there were times, especially in that terribly hard pregnancy, where you thought, I knew I shouldn't have done this, or maybe you didn't think that, but there were questions of, maybe this wasn't for me. Were there moments like that? Yeah, only during the pregnancy, though. Yes. Not once he was born, surprisingly. I, I was actually, because obviously I'm a psychologist, so yes. there's lots of analysis that goes on. I was a bit concerned that um, the physical level of trauma that I experienced during the pregnancy might affect my capacity to bond, but it didn't. Um, and I put that down to the fact that I had an obstetrician gynecologist who was just incredibly brilliant she was exactly what I needed she was who I needed um in that nine ten months actually all the time before that when we were doing fertility treatment um as well and so because I felt held um and protected and very much supported uh based on all my choices during the pregnancy I think that's what helped me to meet Bennett and say okay um, let's do this together, little guy. Me being me, as we talk about the identity shift, a mother was an addition to my my identity, not a replacement for my pre-existing identity. So I still uh, was very much an author, a speaker, a person that consolidates psychological knowledge into accessible terms for um women who want to live bravely and meaningfully. And so in the first year that he was born, I wrote two books. Um, As you and do. I, I released a course online and did a whole series of things in addition to um, being a mother to a newborn and then a baby. And I, I guess, I mean, baby as in an older baby. Um, but I guess during that time, what I, what I have experienced is that my relationship with my body sits in the background and it's something that 
I've had to spend a whole lot of time around working with radical self-compassion to be able to come back to a place where I can do the work and trust the process to come back to my strengths, my flexibility, um, and feel my age again and not 80 years old, you know. <laughs> you know, in the study of matrescence and, and now what I teach, we talk about that there's a lot of different entry points into this transformation. For some, it's a real identity crisis around being able to work or being able to have an income, the independence, which was a big thing for me. Others, it's a health crisis. For others, it's a massive change in their relationship to their body and to their um, to their passion, to their sensuality. There's lots of different entry points into these beautiful questions that come from motherhood, which is, who am I now? How do I, as you said, have radical self-compassion? How do I understand who I am outside of what society says I should look like, be like, or do? And so I love it. It's these different entry points into this different, into this awakening. How do we start with that radical self-compassion? What are some of the steps that you've taken to start to heal this relationship with your body that is now different and will always be different from what it was pre-baby, but now is a beautiful new transformation of it? The first thing that I did was um, I very much, um, I, I basically butchered the people, uh, sorry, my following on on social media. So Ooh, wow. I... I went and went through everyone that I was following, um, particularly on Instagram, and unfollowed a whole series of accounts if they had any kind, if they were posting material that had any kind of uncomfortable effect for me and my relationship with my body. So um, that was a really freeing thing to do. But that's also about what's happening externally. So I've been very careful around. Um, the exposure to information and content externally um, about and how that fits for me right now. Then you need to address what's happening internally. Perhaps that's the most important thing of all, really. But I, I do think external information um, can be not helpful. So mm. I started there first and then I um, – oh, and I also added some uh, uh, people to follow who were – body positive and, and posted pictures of bodies that looked like mine now mm. um, so that I could be exposed to the normality and see other people's bodies and go back. But I feel like those curves are beautiful, you know, mm. um, rather than have the media tell me what's beautiful. I, I allowed myself to look at pictures of other women's bodies and look at them and go, wow, like from where I'm sitting, I actually love... I love looking at those pictures. And I think that was the biggest um, transformation in terms of stepping into radical self-compassion was no longer standing in front of the mirror and entertaining any kind of internal conversation that was negative around my body. Instead, I uh, started with a neutral conversation, like this just is what it is right now, you know? Mm. And um, my body 
responded to an incredibly stressful period of time by doing what it needed to do to survive and then having respect for the processes that our bodies go through when we're in survival mode and in threat response mode um, to then come out the other side and go, if I was going to treat myself with compassion and care and nurturing, what would that look like? And what if it wasn't going to be hard? So that's the other thing that I've been using quite recently is what if this doesn't have to be hard? What if it could simply be trusting the process and doing the work to self-nurture? I love how you've said first it's a very neutral conversation because often I remember years ago, you know, and I'm talking decades ago, when I really started exploring the self-help, self-development kind of genre of books and went down that whole path, it was very much about repeating those positive affirmations to yourself and they are sometimes a step too far. You can't look in in the body, you can't look in your mirror and tell yourself you are beautiful when three seconds ago you were saying the complete opposite. There has to be almost a stepladder towards that. So those neutral conversations are really important as that first step. Yeah, and also I don't love the term self-love. That's why my book is called The Art of Self-Kindness and not The Art of Self-Love because in my experience, in all my clinical experience actually, you know, most clients I saw had some kind of issue with their self-worth. This is what human beings struggle with most. And If I was to sit them down and go, right, now I want you to stand in front of the mirror and say, I love myself, then most of them would rightly so want to slap me across the face because it's just too much of a leap to be able to ask someone to enter that particular realm of um, believing, you know. And if you're not going to believe the things you say to yourself, then I think that sets up a whole series of problematic things practices where people think that they should be able to say these things and um you know it's like that whole um whole kind of instagram um meme thing of just be happy like oh it drives me insane um because human beings aren't wired like that we can't just think positive It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.